The following program is being brought to you on the 7th Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit 7thWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Good afternoon, and welcome to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Over the next hour, you'll learn how to see your true self in the midst of life's twists and turns. You'll be challenged to think outside of the box when it comes to the mysteries of life. Now, here's your host, Andrea Matthews. Good afternoon, and welcome to the Authentic Living Show. We're in our third week of our Countdown to Heaven, and we're talking today to Bruce Lipton, best-selling author of The Biology of Belief. And we'll be talking about his latest book, The Honeymoon Effect, The Science of Creating Heaven on Earth. We all understand either the actuality of the honeymoon or of it, but most of us see it as temporary because we have to get back to quote-unquote real life. The honeymoon effect is a state of bliss, passion, energy, and health resulting from huge love. But we cannot imagine that we can have that on a regular basis. Lipton tells us that the honeymoon effect is not a chance event that happened to us because the right circumstances collided, but rather it's a personal creation. In fact, he tells us that love is the most potent growth factor for human beings. How can we manifest this hit on earth? Stay here for it. We're going to hear about it. And we're going to hear the clip from Oprah's upcoming Super Soul Sunday, so be here throughout the show today. Welcome, Bruce, to our uh, show today. Thank you so much for taking your time to talk with us. Hey, Andrea, I so appreciate this opportunity, especially to talk to your wonderful audience about exciting opportunities to create a better world. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Well, uh, as you know, we talked uh, at the IONS conference in the summer, the Noetic uh, uh, Sciences put on a conference in the summer, and we talked, and one of the things that I really appreciated so much about what you said was, in your in your presentation, was that... Uh, uh, I was all about how identity forms, and I sort of want to start there because I think like primary to what else we're talking about today. So can you tell us just a little bit about, I know we got a short time and identity forms over a long period, but uh, if you could tell <laughs> us just a little bit about how that happens. Well, it's very interesting in regard to understanding the nature of conscious and subconscious. And the, the, the most important thing is to start off with is that we group them together as the mind, conscious and subconscious, but they're two interdependent uh, elements, and they learn in different ways, and they have different functions. And by not understanding their, their inter, interdependence, we, we've made some uh, errors in understanding how we operate. So uh, the first thing is this, to recognize is that the conscious mind is the creative mind, it's the mind that's directly connected with our personal identity, our spirit, our source. Uh, we are more or less housed in that 
subconscious creative mind, which is a part of the brain right behind the forehead called the prefrontal cortex. That's the latest evolution. The rest of the brain constitutes more or less the subconscious. And uh, the, while the conscious is creative, and that's what elevated humans in the, in the uh, biosphere uh, because of our creativity, um, this is not a character of the subconscious mind. The subconscious mind, the precursor mind, is more or less an habitual mind. It operates by habits. Uh, and it's a database. So if I wanted to look at the mind in an analogy first to get people to understand, uh, consider this, uh, that if I buy a new iPod and I take it out of the box, uh, and we recognize that the play button is really like the conscious mind because you can select what you want to play and create a playlist and all that stuff. So the play button is like the creative mind. I say you get a brand new iPod, take it out of the box, and I say push the button play, and, and nothing happens. And people say, no, you can't have anything to play until you put some data down in the hard drive. You have to download programs. Well, this is the exact uh, parallel analogy to understanding the nature of consciousness and the nature of the subconscious. If a child could speak the moment it was born, you ask it, well, tell me something. The child will say, I don't know anything. I just got here. Uh, so basically... Uh, the story of the iPod or the child is that first we put data in, and this is how the nervous system operates. Before consciousness is engaged as a, as a neurological function and activity, which uh, primarily begins around age seven, the first seven years of life, the brain is operating at a lower vibrational frequency, EEG frequency. Uh, primarily, it's in theta. Theta is imagination. That's why especially kids from two to seven uh, are always mixing uh, the uh, imaginary real worlds together. They, they blend them seamlessly because their mind is operating from theta. But theta is also hypnosis. And this is the reason why this process occurs this way, is that the first seven years, we download data into the subconscious directly. It doesn't even go through conscious mind. It goes straight from observation down into subconscious as program. So basically, we uh, learn how to be a member of a society. Think about how, how many rules does it take to be a, a functional member of a family in a society? And you go, thousands of rules. I say, okay, here's a kid, one year old, two years old. Teach this kid these rules. And it's like, well, obviously, you can't teach a kid like that. But nature created an opportunity. The child learns by simply being in a brain state of recording everything it sees and hears. So the first period of seven years is a download process of data. Well, in that data, we get all the rules of how you respond to uh, each other in a community and who's who in that community and, and your relationship to all, all the activities of being a functional member, as I mentioned. But here's the other thing we acquire during that first seven years. We acquire uh, a self-identity, meaning who are you as an individual? Well, as you're the person inside this mechanism, you're downloading data as to who you are. But I say, where do you get the data from? And it's like you record what other people say about you. Well, this becomes very problematic uh, when we recognize this. There's a tendency for parents to behave like coaches uh, to their children to coach them to, to be more effective and to, to do better than, you know, to, than just average, do better. And, and so, like a coach, uh, uh, an athletic team and one of the performers isn't really living up to the performance, a coach will go, come on, you don't, you, you know, try harder. You can do better than that. This is not good enough. You, you don't deserve to be here. Things like that. You know, 
mainly to you know entice or needle the the athlete to say, okay, I'm really not performing up to my best. I'm going to work harder. I'm going to be better. And that's what the coach is trying to elicit. But now take the same words and play it to a child who's seven or under. And recognize this. The child is not operating from consciousness. They're just recording. And what are they recording? Not good enough not lovable, not deserving, not worthy. Uh, these are things that, that wasn't what the parent's intent was, but that's what the child records. The significance of all this is that the largest majority of people, and, and I can tell you when I work with workshops where we do belief change modification, uh, and we start off with a, a belief statement just to see uh, how, how people respond, 80 to 90% minimum will not test positive for this belief statement. The statement, I love myself. And there's a very profound reason, and that is this, because the data as to their personal identity that they acquire from the world was always data of a critical nature, uh, trying to, to get the child to perform better, which means at the moment of recording the data, the, the child's not performing well, so it's not deserving, it's not worthy, uh, you know, whatever these issues are, and it writes those down in the subconscious programs. Now, why this becomes important is this. The conscious mind, the one where you're in, is the creative mind. It's a very fabulous line, mind that can uh, take images and, and, and create something brand new out of it. That's why humans uh, so excel above other animals. We don't just respond to the world. We can take the data of the world and, and, and create from that data. Uh, and that's the role of the conscious mind. The subconscious mind is basically just like the uh, program in the iPod. It's the database, period. Well, it's also interesting in this regard. The conscious mind has a very unique ability, and that is it can time travel. So I say, Andrea, what, what are you doing next Monday? And your mind, think about it, your conscious mind lets go of the current moment as you go into your head to try to figure out where you're going to be next Monday. Or I, I say, what what'd you do last Tuesday? And then your conscious mind goes into your head, tries to review everything. Uh, what did I do last week? And and uh, or I say, uh, Andrea, think about this for a second. And what that means is, whatever I ask you to think about, you let go. Your conscious mind lets go, and and at that moment goes into thinking and creative processing, which is really cool. Here's the point: every time the mind is thinking, the the conscious mind is thinking. By definition, it's not paying attention to the current moment. So that doesn't mean your biology and everything stops while you're thinking. You're still going. And how do you do that? And the answer is when your conscious mind is thinking, all of the behavior is then by default controlled by the subconscious program. And, uh, and so, in other words, if you're driving a car and you have a thought, you don't lose control of the car. The subconscious mind will take over and drive the car, which it does. But here comes the issue. Science has found that we only operate about nine, about 5%, 5% at the most for average people, uh, operate from the conscious mind, the creative mind. That's the mind with our wishes and our desires and what we want from life. That's why I say, oh, oh Andrew, what do you want from your life? The creative answer, by nature, creative, comes from conscious mind. So conscious mind is the seat of your wishes and your desires, what you want from your life. And now comes this issue. You only operate 5% of the time from the conscious mind for a very important and simple reason. We're always thinking. 
And every time a thought comes into our head, by definition, we deal with the thought with the conscious mind, and the subconscious mind takes over whatever you're doing, driving the car, talking to somebody, doing your job at work, because these are habits that you acquire over time. So that's what the function of the subconscious habit mind is all about, just to record those. And so all of a sudden I say, wait, then, we are creating our lives with how we respond to the world. And then we say, scientifically, we now find that only 5% of the time are recreating our lives with the conscious mind, and that's the one that has wishes and desires. And 95% or more of the time, our lives, by default, are controlled by the programs in the subconscious. And then I go, and then we deal with this, the major programs that came into the subconscious were those that got in there before age seven and the programs that are in there are not our programs we downloaded them from other people so the behavior and and how we live our life uh is 95 percent of the time controlled by these programs that we got in the first seven years and here comes the problem the conscious mind is busy that's why the subconscious mind is doing the default that means the conscious mind very rarely observes the behavior that we play when we're playing in the, the subconscious default programs. Uh, and this brings up an issue which I talk about in my lectures, and most people laugh because they're so familiar with it. I say, look, you have a friend. You know your friend's behavior very, very well, and you happen to know your friend's parent. And there's a point where all of a sudden you see that your friend does share some of the same behavior as their parent. So you volunteer very casually something like, uh, hey, you know, Bill, you're just like your dad. And then you back away from Bill. Because <laughs> Bill goes ballistic, like, how can you compare me to my dad? Everyone laughs. And I go, well, here's the profound point to that. There's two. One is everyone else can see that Bill behaves like his dad. The only one who doesn't see it is Bill. And you say, but why not? And the answer is, why is he playing that behavior he downloaded from his dad? And the answer is, because his conscious mind was thinking, and therefore he didn't see it. And that's why he will deny, like, how can you <laughs> compare me to my dad? Uh, and he plays this behavior all the time. So that's profound point one, that 95% of our time, our behaviors are coming from the subconscious, and whatever they are, they're weighted on the on the programs that we got downloaded in there. And then it says, yeah, but most of those are not yours. And then we say, okay, so uh, we, you know, Bill doesn't see his, that he plays his dad's behavior, uh, and and here comes the the problem in that. And the problem is this: if it's a negative behavior, Bill doesn't see that either. And as a result, he could be leading his life with a lot of negative, uh, self-defeating behaviors, which psychologists say, I think, 70% or so of the programs in that subconscious are limiting, disempowering, self-sabotaging. And if that's the predominant uh, mode of the programs in the subconscious, and you play them 95% of the time, and you don't see them, that means simple to understanding. We go forward in the morning thinking, I want to create this world that I'm looking for, one filled with love and health and happiness and great jobs. And This is my wish, my desires. And then you go out in the world, and then you come home at night, tail between your legs, going, chief, <laughs> I'm having so much trouble manifesting my wishes and desires. It's just, you know, it's like the universe is against me. And I'm, it's just not in my fate to have it. And the reason why that belief comes in is because if you don't know that you're playing these invisible behaviors that are sabotaging you, then by definition, when it doesn't work, you don't know you were participating in that process. And therefore, it's, you know, I'm a victim. 
of the world. And it turns out, oh my God, we were victims of our unconscious programming. And we don't see it. So when we sabotage ourselves, we're the last ones like Bill to even recognize that we're doing it. And the problem is, is that these programs were, you know, acquired in a state of hypnosis first seven years by observing other people's behavior and downloading it. And that's how, like, if you want to make an iPod work, first you have to put in the, the programs, then you can push play and select what you want to play. How the consciousness works, first you have to put in the programs. Oh, yep, get them from downloading unconsciously for seven years, and then when consciousness kicks in as a predominant brain activity, alpha uh, uh, waves, alpha EEG waves, uh, that begins around seven. And therefore... It basically says, is, are, are the lives we leading the lives that we wish and desire, or what? And the answer is, well, yes, you're leading with your wishes and desires, but maybe only 5% of the time. 95% of the time, you are unconsciously playing programs that were downloaded into you, uh, and these programs are, are disempowering. And in fact, as, as, you know, the significance of uh, testing a, a community of, of the belief, uh, asking them to test, I love myself, finding 80% to 90% of the people will not test positive for that. And the reason is this, because we're all victims of uh, getting our identity from other people and taking their words as literal recognition. And therefore, um, imagine this, if you have a subconscious belief that, doesn't uh, lead to loving yourself because you've been criticized. Uh, and it's about loving yourself. And it plays 95% of the time, and it's invisible. Then guess what? 95% of your behavior will keep love away from you because it doesn't conform to the belief. Uh, and uh, uh, during, during this 90, 95% of the time, um, you will have in your unconscious mind a belief of how can anybody else love you? Because if you can't love yourself, then logically, why would anybody else love you? <laughs> Unless they have no quality control or something like that. But the fact is, what does that keep us from experiencing on this planet? And the answer is love and community. Because there's a tendency to, to isolate yourself as a not lovable entity in a community. And your behavior will then be uh, expressed through that filter and we will unconsciously sabotage our lives. And, and I say, wow, so we've been programmed. I go, yeah. And then, and then I bring up this fun topic because a lot of people are familiar with the movie The Matrix. In the movie The Matrix, uh, uh, it, it's, the idea is, okay, you've been programmed. They say, okay, if you take the, this blue pill, you can go back into the programming, and then life will be just the way it's always been. Or you can take this red pill and get out of the program. And it was interesting because they really never stipulated, well, what happens if you do take the red pill? What is the consequence of taking the red pill and getting out of the program? Well, here's the fun part, because there's this understanding, and it has to do with the honeymoon experience, which is uh, what I refer to that period where you first fall in love, and, uh, and there's, there's three characteristics of that period that are associated with that falling in love. Number one is you're exuberantly healthy. Almost everybody is glowing when they fall in love. Uh, that you uh, have an abundant energy to do anything. Uh, and we joke in the lecture and say, oh, yeah, you know, you made love for days without stopping for food or sleep. Everybody laughs, and I go, yeah, but here's the most important part. During that honeymoon, um, 
life is so beautiful that it's, it's you know, tantamount to having heaven on earth. It's so beautiful, you can't wait for the next day to wake up and get back into that great love again. And, and so it's interesting. I go, wait a second. Your life could have been average every day, hitting your head against the wall, and all of a sudden you meet this person, and then you're in deep love and heaven on earth. And you go, well, yeah. what happened? And, and here's what science has revealed. Excuse me. Um, science has revealed that when you fall in love like that, it's the one time in your life that you keep your conscious mind present. It's being mindful. It's Buddhist mindfulness, but it's not done by a practice in this case. It's done because when you fall in love, that person that comes into your life is everything you were looking for. All and right. Well, we're going to stop right there. That's a great stop in place, and we're going to come right back oh, in just I'm a minute. Sorry, I would have kept going. You know <laughs> no, me. That's all right. That's all right. We're going to keep go. We're going to keep going right after the break. Be here for that. <laughs> The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Step into the doorway to conscious choice, greater health, and well-being. Attain the balance that you've been seeking. Tune in and turn on 1111 Talk Radio. Feed the mind. Embrace positively. Release the tension. Step out of fear. Host Simran Singh will help you broaden your mind and open your heart toward a greater understanding of how to take charge of your life. 1111 Talk Radio is here every Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Pacific Time on 7th Wave Network. 1111 Talk Radio. Because shift happens. Ask Theo Live is talk radio like you've never heard before. Following her near-death experience, world-renowned author and spiritual medium Sheila Gillette became the direct voice channel for Theo, a consortium of 12 archangels. Through this unique channel, Sheila and her co-host Marcus Gillette present you with an opportunity to speak directly with Theo live on air on any topic you wish to discuss, including receiving authentic messages from deceased loved ones and angelic guides. Get the answer you need by tuning in to Ask Theo Live Talk Radio. Tuesday mornings at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on 7th Wave Network. There are a lot of questions about psychic reading and messages from beyond and what they say to us and about us. Join hosts Pat Nelson and Bryce Korsanowski for Illuminating You. Our program will answer many of the questions that you may have and others will have. Our guests discuss and share their personal stories of triumph over trauma. We'll talk about all aspects of healing, living as a part of nature, and other psychic and medium topics. Listen every Wednesday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Invite meaning and inspiration to your life. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. You're listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now, toll free. 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. 
472-5795. You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at andreamatthewslpc.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. And the Authentic Living Show is sponsored by the American Institute of Holistic Theology. You may wonder what the terms holistic theology mean. Well, theology is the study of the divine, and holistic theology is a holistic study of the divine that includes all religions and even transcends religion to get to the mystical core of them all. The American Institute of Holistic Theology offers doctorate, master's, and ministerial bachelor's degrees, chaplaincy programs with internship, NBCC-approved continuing education, and a brand-new Ph.D. program in holistic theology. HC's programs include degrees in the following, holistic theology, offering as a terminal degrees both Ph.D. and a Ph.D., holistic ministries, holistic health and spiritual care, metaphysical spirituality, and alternate spiritual traditions, which includes in-depth studies in the paranormal. Using a home study model for distance learning, the student of AIHT gets a thorough education in the field that fulfills and offers a chance to authenticate a unique gift for the world. What's most important to AIHT's model is the exploratory nature of studies that reach to the depths of all the world's religions, traditions, and paths. Utilizing as your text-writing teachers, spiritual experts from all over the world, including Bruce Lipton and his Biology of Belief, which is in our, in our coursework as well. The coursework allows students to explore and find their own spiritual experience and path, and then, if they wish, to take healing, help, and wisdom to others. So AIHT is changing the world one student at a time. And all you have to do to enroll is either go to www.aiht.edu or contact Admissions Director Beverly Love at 800-650-4325. Again, if you'd like to enroll right now, pick up the phone and call 800-650-4325. You know, Oprah says education is the key to unlocking the world, a passport to freedom. Call and get your passport today. And today we're talking to Bruce Lipton about his book, The Honeymoon Effect, The Science of Creating Heaven on Earth. And what we discovered in the first part of our show today was how it is that we uh, don't uh, operate in the honeymoon effect. And we were talking about what it feels like just before the break. Bruce, we were talking about what it is like to be in that honeymoon effect. So I, I want to talk about what happens when we lose that. What? Why do we lose it and 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 why can't we just maintain that state? Well, this is always the, the biggest issue because uh, it, it, it seems that, well, people stay in love. The honeymoon part is a separate entity than the regular, just regular everyday love part, which is like a regular everyday life part. The honeymoon part was, as we mentioned, as you brought up again, was this is like he- living heaven on earth. And, and, and then we lose it. Almost everybody inevitably loses it. And, and you say, well, what happened to it? And here's the answer. We created it because it's the first time in our lives we didn't operate from the subconscious programming. That 90% or more of our life is coming from conscious mind, wishes and desires. Imagine two people working together in harmony, manifesting wishes and desires. Well, that's heaven on earth. That's honeymoon. But over time, Real life starts to come back in on itself. Look, you still have to work. You have to pay the rent. You have to fix the car. You have to do the chores. Uh, and at some point, uh, these outside activities start to take up our conscious thinking time, thinking about what you're going to do next and planning your day and all these things. And that becomes important because then that means our conscious mind stops paying attention to the current moment, which was the honeymoon. 
And but the moment it starts thinking about these things, then by definition, the default programs come in, and the default programs have behaviors that are not yours. So uh, a, a, a guy generally uh, acquires the behavior of his father, and, and a woman generally acquires the behavior of the mother in the unconscious state. Okay, uh, and why is that relevant? And the answer is simply this: Here I am with my partner, honeymoon, and 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 we have, all our communications are based on uh, wishes and desires. Way we would love to live, so it's a loving and intensely wonderful life experience. And then, uh, let's say one day, uh, my partner Margaret comes up to me, and I'm all of a sudden thinking about fixing the car. And we've had this honeymoon thing going really great. And 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 while I'm thinking about it, she asks me some really simple question, and I turn around, and go blah blah blah, and she looks at me, and I love this because almost it comes up in lots of relationships. She looks at me and says. Who are you? <laughs> like, who's this new person, this new entity, this new behavior? What happened? Where did this come from? And here's the point. Up until now, my relationship has been based on my conscious wishes and desires. So all of my behavior is expressing who I want to be. At this moment, I'm thinking, so my conscious mind's busy, my default subconscious kicks in, I play my father's behavior. And and that's like, that was never part of the relationship. And it might be an abusive behavior because I just downloaded it from him. But here's the problem. Like Bill, I didn't see I was behaving like my father. I was invisible to it. And Margaret looks at me and goes, who are you? And then I have to try and figure out, what's she talking about? <laughs> I don't know what she's talking about. I'm not that kind of person to talk like that. And 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 then I become a little defensive, and the whole thing starts to put a chink in this honeymoon thing. And Margaret now recognizes that sometimes I have this behavior. Well, you know, if I had that behavior on our first date, maybe we wouldn't have had a second date. But now we've had a honeymoon, and then this behavior shows up. So she has a choice. Um, you can leave or stay, but if you stay, then you compromise by going, yeah, I guess that behavior is part of our relationship. So I add a little compromise. Oh, well, every time you make a compromise on heaven, you're removing a piece of heaven. And that's my first behavior that comes up. And then during the time, her unconscious behaviors will show up, and I'll start losing a piece of heaven. And then more start to show up, because we go from being almost always in our conscious mind to going back to the automatic part where we're 5% in our conscious mind, so our honeymoon is now reduced to the 5% level, but while 90% of our behavior is reflecting the downloaded programs we got from other people, these compromises uh, take the juice out of the honeymoon, and at some point, if there are too many compromises, it gets down to the point, it's like the, the, a couple will split. And it's interesting because there's this moment of like, God, how did something that was so heaven on earth, beautiful and lovely, end up like this? And the answer is, because you started the relationship by operating from your conscious mind, and the relationship ended by dropping into your subconscious programs invisibly and automatically sabotaging yourself without you even knowing it, and there you are at the end of like, what happened? Uh, and what's really important about all this is, well, how did we create the honeymoon? Answer, we did not you know, default to the subconscious. We stayed in the conscious creative wishes, which is our spiritual connection. And, and why did we lose the honeymoon? Because uh, the conscious gets busy, we default into the downloaded programs, and we start playing the programs. And then I say, well, here's a real interesting concept. You can rewrite the subconscious beliefs 
And I said, well, well, relevance of that is simple. If I rewrote all the beliefs that were not in harmony with my wishes and desires, if I rewrote those beliefs and created programs that express my wishes and desires, then what would be the consequence? And the answer is beautiful because it says, whether I'm paying attention to my conscious mind or I default now to my newly programmed subconscious mind, they both express the same behaviors. And if those behaviors are what generated the honeymoon, then think of the simple conclusion and reality, and that is this. If you reprogram the subconscious mind with with your wishes and desires as the programs, then whether you're paying attention or not paying attention, you'll still be living the honeymoon. And that would mean that the honeymoon would never end. It would be every day of your very long life to be in that juiciness of love and so excited uh, that that is not just a a transitional period. It, It is a way of life that heaven on earth is what we came here. It's interesting because all of a sudden at some point when I really started to get into all this biology and consciousness and all the new science and all that, uh, I I thought, oh oh my God, this might be the greatest cosmic joke of all. We have been programmed to believe that, uh, you know, we're born, we live, we die, and then we go to heaven. Uh, And I'm thinking, geez, consider this possibility. You were born into heaven. (laughs) That. This is, this is the heaven. And you say, well, what do you mean? I said, well, this is the place we create. I say, yeah, but look at the world. It's not like heaven. I say, yeah, but we're not creating from our wishes and desires. When you did create from your wishes and desires, you did create heaven. And the world that we're, we're, we're expressing here is a world we've been programmed to accept. And it's not, it's not any more real than the program. <laughs> and that's why when you let go of the program... You, you return right away back to heaven on earth. Basically, if everyone would let go of the program, this whole planet, by definition, everyone would feel it was heaven on earth, and then it was like, oh, yeah, it is heaven, isn't it? <laughs> That's, I think, the joke. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So what I'm saying is that it really is possible for to have heaven on earth, to be living in that, but we have to reprogramming, reprogram our subconscious mind to do that. Yeah, and it's interesting because when I, that's why I like the topic of falling in love because, okay, everybody at some point, you know, most likely after you reach a certain age has fallen in love at least once somewhere and may not last a long time at all, but it doesn't make any difference because if you can go back into that experience, if even if it was short, it was a totally different expression of life. And, and, and that becomes important because in this whole concept of a, you know, I hate to use the word because it's beaten to death, a new age kind of belief system that we are creators of our world, uh, uh, people will deny that because, and, and, you know, feel really good about it. I, you know, it's like, I didn't create this, actually, I didn't. But the programs that I was given facilitate this program, this keeping this world the way it is because we've all been programmed with the kinds of beliefs like a, a Darwinian belief that life is a struggle for existence with competition for survival. It's like, wow, <laughs> if that's a belief that's been programmed into us, and you can then look at the world and say, yeah, it's, it's become a Darwinian world out here. And that's really an unfortunate belief because it's incorrect. We're living a, a belief that's not in alignment with real science because it turns out evolution is not Darwinian. Evolution is not a competitive, violent uh, survival of the fittest mentality. It's evolution is based on cooperation and harmony in a garden, uh, and and uh, new science is revealing that. 
And for me, that's the opening because it says the information that you bring to the world, Andrea, the opportunities that uh, you offer on your show to get people to see this new beliefs outside of the box, this other world, uh, is really the, the pathway that says, yes, we can change this programming. And, 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 and the falling in love part for me is interesting because if you really know that that was not an accident, <laughs> that you created it, then you recognize at one point you touched that creative button and what did you make? And it's like, yeah, it's so wonderful that that should be a motivation and drive force to say, I want to touch that button all the time. <laughs> and, that, and that will lead people uh, out of the programming of, of this desperate world into a, a world where it actually is heaven on earth. Right. So let's talk just a little bit about how it is that we begin to uh, to reprogram. You've offered several different possible ways of doing that in the in the book, and I know we just have just a few minutes before the break. But if you could just give us some idea of what, how do we reprogram? Okay. The first thing is very critical. So I talked about the two minds as separate entities, and I said that we as unique individuals are in the conscious mind. Recognize this: there is nobody in the subconscious mind. And this becomes critical because a lot of us have uh, always give ourselves a good talking to to say, look, change that behavior. I don't like what I do. I see it sometimes, and I'm so upset. And then we talk to ourselves, and then we find ourselves doing that same behavior over again, and then we get frustrated because obviously our subconscious wasn't listening. And I just want people to understand, there's nobody in the subconscious to listen to that. Uh, the the, con- the subconscious has no entity. It's a machine. It's a record playback device. And the, it learns in a very different way than the conscious mind, and this has also been a disconnect because the conscious mind being creative uh, learns from uh, reading self-help books, lectures, uh, videos, just even aha, the conscious mind can learn. And that's why our conscious mind gets so educated. And we say, yeah, but with all that education, how come our lives are still just the same after we read all these books? And the answer is because the subconscious mind does not learn that way. And therefore, you can educate the conscious mind and never once touch any of the existing programs in the subconscious because the subconscious learns by a different mechanism. It's not creative. It learns through, A, hypnosis, which is the, uh, the, the physiological process that occurred for the first seven years of our lives. And, B, after you're age seven, how does the uh, subconscious learn new programs? And the answer is repetition. The habituation is really what it is. So the subconscious mind is a habit mind. The conscious mind is creative. You can't change the habit mind unless you use the two fundamental ways, either of the two, the hypnosis, like subliminal tapes, putting them on at night, because as you're going to sleep, you pass through theta uh, as the brain is calming down from the day and going into delta, which is the low vibration of sleep. It passes through theta. So uh, every night as you're going to bed, you, you go through an opportunity to download, just like you learned information the first time, uh, unconsciously put earphones on as you're starting to sleep. These words will go right in your subconscious. So that's a one way of programming. The other way is after you're seven, uh, you, you learn from habituation. You have to repeat something. It's a process of repetition uh, that, that acquires that. So every time you catch yourself in a, in a bad habit, you, you, you don't, don't get frustrated with yourself because that doesn't help. Matter of fact, that makes things worse. What you have to recognize is, oh, I caught myself. <laughs> that's, a, that's the positive side. Oh, I caught myself in a bad habit. And what do you do? Then you turn whatever you were saying that was a negative thing, like, oh, that won't happen, or that'll never happen for me, or my gosh, I'm, I'm not likely that I'll experience that. These are negative projections, which will keep you from getting there. When you hear yourself saying that, when you hear a negative behavior coming out, you stop, 
recognize that you caught it, which is like, oh, good, because if you don't catch it, that's worse. So catching is good. And then you offer an alternative statement or belief or something, whatever that issue was about, where you turn around and, and you say, no, not that negative belief. This is the positive side of what I want. Every time you catch yourself, it's a, another step toward habituation. And after a period of time, uh, before the negative thought comes out, the new behavior goes and said, no, cancel that. Give me the positive thought so you can rewrite it. Mm. Yeah. So there's some work involved in that, but it isn't necessarily just positive thinking. It's more like really changing the subconscious. So we're going to talk some more about that right after the break. We'll be back in just a few minutes with more from Bruce Lipton and our Oprah clip will come up this next segment as well. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Who am I? Why am I here? Where am I going? How do I get there? If you're searching for the answers to these and other spiritual questions, you can look within. And you can tune into The Open Door. Our program will expand your awareness of the teachings of the Ascended Masters, offer you practical tools that promote self-mastery and personal freedom, and provide an unerring pathway for graduating from Earth Schoolroom. The Open Door with host Tom Schumacher and Terry Kennedy is broadcast live every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Being Here with Ariel and Shia Kane is an ordinary person's guide to modern-day enlightenment. This show is an exciting exploration which opens the door to living in the moment. Don't miss Being Here. Tune in every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 noon Eastern with Ariel and Shia Kane, right here on the 7th Wave Network. Every moment that we live provides us with numerous opportunities to grow more deeply spiritually through our active engagement in positive, concrete ways that can uplift, encourage, and help ourselves and each other. Become a part of Our Sacred Journey with your host, Audrey Katagawa. Our program will include guests who will share their experiences with you to inspire you to help create a peaceful, cooperative present and future and to explore your creativity and the valuable contributions which you can make. Our Sacred Journey airs live Mondays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific on 7th Wave. The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Be extraordinary. Be the change. You're listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now, toll free, 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at andreamatthewslpc.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. 
And we're back talking today to best-selling author Bruce Lipton about his new book called The Honeymoon Effect, The Science of Creating Heaven on Earth. And uh, I want to talk just a minute, Bruce, if you will, about, I mean, your your uh, field is science. Your field is biology. And, and uh, so I want to talk a little bit about how uh, quantum physics and, and, and um, biology fit into this uh, sort of on a more global effort to create the honeymoon effect in our relationship with life itself, not just with a partner, but with life, life itself. So can you say just a little bit about that? And I know it's a huge topic, and we're going to, just, we're going to have just a few minutes before we take a break. Yeah. To- well, very briefly is this, that the, the quantum physics reveals that there's an energy field around us that they call the field. <laughs> and uh, what's interesting is I say, well, what is this energy field? And by definition in quantum physics, the energy field represents invisible moving forces that influence and shape the physical world. And I go, well, that's really interesting, isn't it? Because that's the exact same definition that spiritualists use to define spirit, invisible moving forces that influence and shape the physical world. So there's a new science that says, well, we've been focusing on the material mechanical world as all that exists. The new science says, no, you left out this invisible world, which is actually shaping the, this, this other, the world in which we live. And all of a sudden, this ancient understanding of the influence of spirit and, and thought, and which is part of the energy of all that, uh, becomes in a, in a more scientific realm. And when we start to understand it from that way, we start to recognize that the, the main things are vibrations. And it's interesting because we are led in this world by, by an opportunity to know where we're going before we get there through the vibrations. I talk about it in my lecture because we are energy beings. We interact with the energy around us. Um, then these uh, vibrations, uh, we've experienced them in, in our own personal lives, and people, uh, of, you know, in a humorously, uh, humorous way, refer to them as good vibes and bad vibes. And I'm saying uh, you, this, is, this is not just a, a story. This is a reality that our hearts are like um, receptors of this vibration. And our hearts tell us if we're moving in the right place or the wrong place by reading the energy. And here's a simple reason. Energy is life. You run out of energy, you have no life. You have a lot of energy, you're free to do a lot of things. So biological systems from bacteria to humans are programmed to move toward higher energy because that means higher life and survival. And, and well, we use our brains to decide where we should go and stuff like that. Every organism, including ourselves, actually the primary communication is to feel the vibration. And that means your heart. And when you go in there, you, you have feelings, and these feelings are telling you is the direction or what you're being involved with adding energy to your life or taking away energy from your life. And the good vibes, if it's adding energy, you get good vibes. You get more energy. So when you're doing something and it gives you more energy, it's like the universe is saying, yes, this is good. Uh, and if you go someplace and you seem to lack energy and your energy levels start to drop in uh, what we call bad vibes, that's nature's way of telling you you're going in the wrong way and, and now you're moving toward threatening your life. So... Uh, if we really got back in touch with our hearts and understand the nature of the quantum physics, which says the vibrations are a reflection of the material world and organizing, and if you read the vibrations, you're reading the primary control rather than reading the mechanical real world, which we've been focusing on, which means get back into our hearts, start feeling, start paying attention. We were given this compass 
to increase our survival. And we usually only notice this compass when it's at the extreme good end where all of a sudden, my God, I'm so energized by being around all these people and what's going on. My life feels so good. It's like, yeah, good vibes. Or like you're in a wrong place, you're in a dark part of a city, you don't know where the heck you are, and all of a sudden you feel your energy just start to disappear very quickly. It says, in this area, you are not safe. And that your energy levels going away are an indication you're running out of life, so move somewhere else. If we would move from our hearts and stop with our heads so much, we will start finding that this world will come together in a much better opportunity and way of life because uh, the real true understanding of our, our, our world is, is in the energy, not in the learning and experiences that we had in our life because those are expressions, but not necessarily in harmony with the world. Harmony is the vibration, and quantum physics is, is now really a fundamental element of our biology because the biology is designed to move in that energy field. Wow. So it's sort of nature matching nature. And it's, a, it's an open-hearted uh, sort of, you know, we talk about life being vibrant, and I think it's interesting that the word vibration goes so well with that. It's just we're we're sort of pulsating with life energy when we get down into that heart where it sounds like what you're saying is from the quantum perspective, energy comes from that that um, invisible uh, world that creates the matrix that from which material world springs, and then we we can be a part of that natural um, vibration by just being there in it and that's exactly what is being talked about in uh mark nepo as as opera's interview with mark nepo on this upcoming sunday so she has a conversation again this sunday our last sunday's uh interview with mark nepo you know how profound he can be um she's going to interview him again best-selling author and poet and teacher Mark Nepo in Maui on an all-new episode of Super Soul Sunday this Sunday, November the 17th at 11 a.m. Eastern and Pacific on OWN, the Upper Winfrey Network. In part two of this thought-provoking interview, Mark shares the inspiration behind his book, 7,000 Ways to Listen, and why he believes listening with an open heart is that key to living a vibrant and meaningful life. Mark explains how modern-day distractions can keep us from truly connecting with the world around us and offers practical insights on how to call our listening skills. Plus, he shares a special poem written just for Oprah and reveals how we can all discover our own inner poet. And here's that clip. This Sunday. Conversations like this are sacred to me. They're so sacred to me, I created a whole show to have them. Super Soul Sunday is all new. One more hour with New York Times bestselling author Mark Nepo. Wow, that's good. You're preaching today. If you're searching for your true gift, you need to hear this. We need to listen for what calls to each of us. Explain that, Mr. Poet Man. Super Soul Sunday, all new. This Sunday, 11 a.m., 10 Central. Only here. Yes, be there for that. Uh, uh, it's a very good interview. Uh, last week's and this week's. If you've uh, TVO'd or DVR'd it, you should uh, listen to it again before you listen to the next one or uh, watch the next one. Um, and so we talked about vibrations, Bruce, and, and how that works. And, and one of the things I love so much about you, your book and your work in general is that you put science together with this stuff uh, that we talk about. We seem to get this information sort of downloaded as we meditate and we talk about it like we know what we're talking about and then and then you 
come along and put some science, uh, or you're not putting the science with it. The science seems to match it. So uh, I want to talk a little bit about that uh, that whole thing of uh, the biology. You talked about how the brain is different from the mind and, and how those kind of coalesce to get us to a natural place where we can ha- uh, uh, manifest this heaven on earth that you're talking about. Can you say something about that? Well, you know, it's just basically that we, we have a biological body, and, and we use this body to manifest life experiences. And as we have our life experiences, we're, we have to recognize this. Uh, and, and it was even indicated in that uh, little excerpt about the Oprah show, is that uh, we're really more than these bodies. And, and that field that we talked about where the information is coming from, we also have to recognize this. Our identity is actually in that field, and our cells have antennas. That This is what makes every person a different biological entity, and I say that in biology by saying, if, uh, Andrew, you try and put your cells into any other human, uh, their immune system will say not self and reject those cells. Uh, and if somebody tries to put cells in your body, your immune system will say not self and reject it. And, and then it comes down to saying, well, then all of our cells have like some uh, pin code or identity that makes us our cells and not their cells. And, and then the question comes down to where where is that identity located? And the answer is there's a set of antennas on our cells, and no two people have the same set of antennas, which are receptors, readers of the environment. These antennas are reading an identity out of the environment. Uh, and this is what, as a scientist, blew me away because I realized for the first moment in my life it was a non-spiritual existence that, oh, my God, my identity isn't inside the cell. My identity is being picked up by the cell via these antennas and, and that I'm outside in the field. I'm not even in these bodies. Uh, and, and it's really interesting because uh, in recent studies on numbers of people who receive heart transplants, they start to recognize that the people who receive these hearts from people that have passed on start to acquire the characteristics of these people who have passed on. And then there was some suggestion, oh, there's cellular memory. Well, I'm a cellular biologist, and I can tell you, I don't see a place in cellular memory for where a cell recognizes chicken McNuggets and beer and stuff like that as some of the characters take on these, these traits of liking those things. It's not in the cells. What it is is that when you transplant an organ, the organ has cells that are still tuned to the original source. And so, well, the individual person dies, their hearts are still receiving the broadcast. So when their hearts are put into another person, they're downloading a second identity in that same person. Uh, And and it's so exciting because I was not spiritual, and I started looking at it, oh, my gosh. And there was one wonderful story uh, in a book called Change of Heart uh, about a, a young girl who received a heart transplant from another young girl who apparently died. And But once she got the transplant, she was immediately stricken by these night terrors, these nightmares that repeated itself over and over again uh, of being murdered. And, and what was so interesting is the doctors finally thought, well, let's go back, and they find that the, the heart came from a girl who was murdered. Well, these repetitive nightmares were so vivid that when the girl told the police who were investigating the murder about the nightmares the clarity of them, that the police were able to use the descriptions of what she said to capture the killer. Oh, my gosh. And the point was what? Well, the girl said died, but she isn't really dead. 
because as long as her heart was still picking up the broadcast, uh, she, she was downloading information. Well, this whole wonderful understanding to me came as like, oh my God, we are these, like, you know, broadcast being sent to these bodies uh, and the first important you know outside the fact is oh my god i can't die i'm not in here uh my the field the energy is there forever the bodies come and go uh and, and then uh once i started to do that I, I really had this funny humorous part of my life because of not being a spiritual person and saying by looking at the mechanism of course there's the broadcast that's the spirit that's the field that's just exactly the quantum physics term and and then uh, what was interesting is, is that I asked myself, because it was kind of funny, I thought, well, now that I own the concept of spirituality, I said, why have a spirit and a body? And and the funny thing is the answer to that question came from my cells. I could feel the answer welling up from my 50 trillion cells in my body. Uh, and the answer, I said, why have, why have both a spirit and a body? And the cells uh, asked me, well, Bruce, if you're just a spirit, what does chocolate taste like? <laughs> and, I love it. And it's here. We're here for experiences. That's yes. what the body offers. Absolutely, absolutely. And thank you so, so much for pointing that out to us and and for being on the show today. Your book is so important, so very important because I think it really does bring it all back down to earth. And uh, so I really appreciate you being on the show today. And if you want to learn more about Bruce's work, go to www.brucelipton.com. Um, he's got all kinds of information on there about who you can contact to help with reprogramming and things like that. So um, go there if you want to know more. And, again, thank you, Bruce, for being on the show. Thank um, you, Andrea. And I just want to thank the audience for their listening and consideration. Thank you. Absolutely, absolutely. And uh, next week, we're going to follow this up with a conversation about where is my bliss. So you want to be here for that. And remember that your job, should you choose to accept it, is to give birth to yourself. Thanks again for listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Join us again next Wednesday afternoon at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern Time here on the 7th Wave Network. We'll talk again next week.